Good evening. Again, my name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here. I invite you all to stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat and also gave it to those that were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. You can have a seat. Well, this week's gospel reading gives us this real gift because it gives us two back-to-back Sabbath stories. We get to see the way Jesus keeps Sabbath. And as I have sat with many of you over coffee and over meals and in meetings over the last few weeks, I've heard again and again and again that you are tired and I am tired. And I think this week our whole country is tired. So I want us to receive this week's passage as God's good gift to us, as Sabbath stories for tired people. And these stories are so rich in sensory detail that they actually invite us not just to think about the Sabbath, but to see it and hear it and taste it and touch it which is exactly what tired people need. So for the next few minutes, I want us to turn off our busy brains, our doing brains, and turn on our imaginations, and relax in our pews, and step into this Sabbath keeping with Jesus. But to really get into these Sabbath stories, we first have to understand what Sabbath is. Sabbath comes from this Hebrew word that simply means stop, stop, cease. It's the same root word we get in the creation story back at Genesis, back at the beginning of everything, when God works for six days to make the world, and then on the seventh day, he stops. Now, God wasn't tired. He has boundless energy. He doesn't need to rest the way we do, and yet God chose to stop. He Sabbaths, and his stopping shows us that God is not anxious about creation fully functioning, and we don't need to be either. He shows us that the world that he made and all the good things that he wants to come out of it and to come out of us, that they don't depend on our endless work. 
And so right at the very beginning of everything, we see this unanxious stopping, this Sabbath, that's just part of who God is and how he works. And so then when he calls this little tribe of people in the desert to be his people, and when he rescues them out of Egypt, he builds Sabbath into who they are too. He tells them to set aside a day of rest every week, not just them, but their animals and their servants and even the immigrants who wander across their borders. Everyone in this society gets a day off because they reminded they're not slaves. The world doesn't depend on their endless work. They are loved human beings. And so their Sabbath becomes this witness to everyone around them that they have a God who takes care of them while they rest. But then over the centuries, by the time we get up to Jesus, God's people have faced hardship after hardship after hardship, and all the pressures of living under these foreign rulers who don't think that they are human beings, who put them in these economic systems that demand more and more compromises for them, and make the Sabbath harder and harder and harder to keep. So it's in this context that the Pharisees and other groups like them start springing up And they want to try and protect what it means to be Jewish. They want to get everyone to take the Sabbath seriously again. They know that Sabbath means stop. So they start to endlessly debate it and define what it means and narrow it down and police exactly how and when and why people are stopping. And they make rules upon rules upon rules until Sabbath is just this source of confusion and anxiety and mental exertion. And this is the world that Jesus walks into and declares himself Lord of the Sabbath. So let's look at how he does that. And the first thing we see in today's text is Jesus and his disciples just taking a walk together. Now, can you imagine a walk like this? An afternoon with a trusted friend. Maybe you see a farmer's field over there and it's just ripe for harvest and the sunlight is beautiful and almost like kids, you think, let's cut through that field. And then as you're walking and you run your hands along the tops of the stalks and you feel hungry, you might pluck some grain and eat it or put it in your pocket for later. This Sabbath picture of Jesus and his friends is so relaxed. It feels meandering. It's not driven This isn't an intellectual Sabbath. This is a body Sabbath. There's walking and talking and touching and hunger and eating. But then in the middle of this relaxed scene, these Pharisees pop up like seemingly out of nowhere and accuse them of breaking the Sabbath. Now we know that in other places in Scripture, Jesus makes clear that he didn't come to get rid of God's commandments, including the Sabbath. He's not here to do away with the law. He's here to flesh it out and to fulfill it. So whatever is going on here with Jesus and the disciples and the grain, whatever this is, it's not Jesus saying, let's just break the Sabbath. It doesn't matter anymore. Let's get rid of it. In some way, Jesus is fleshing out the Sabbath for us. He's showing us what it looks like and what it feels like. And so when these Pharisees accuse him, Jesus doesn't get into a debate with them. He doesn't get into the law or the scripture. Instead, he tells them a story. He gives them this clue that there is something bigger and more grace-filled to this Sabbath thing than they understand. 
And the story he tells is about this time that his ancestor David was running for his life. He was hungry and exhausted and scared. And so he sought shelter in the temple. And he lied to the high priest. He tricked him into giving him the only food that was there, the bread of the presence, even though the priests were the only ones who were supposed to eat this holy bread. And in this story, both David and the priests break God's law pretty wildly. And yet there is a Sabbath picture for us and for the Pharisees in this story. Because you see this lying, sinning, hungry fugitive finding his refuge in the house of God. He's being nourished by the bread of God's presence. There's something in here about coming to the Sabbath desperate. Coming bringing nothing, coming like David was exhausted by the violence and the political turmoil and the physical needs that are just closing in on us, just like they were on David. And then finding refuge in God's house and feasting on God's bread. And so at this point in our passage, we have two Sabbath pictures. We have walking through a field with Jesus, and we have this fugitive eating holy bread. And both of these pictures are inherently creaturely, aren't they? They remind us what it is to live in a human body with all of the sensory delights that come with it, but also all of its weaknesses and its limits. And so we begin to see why Jesus says in verse 27 that the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is for us because we need it. The Sabbath is God's concession to our weakness and our humanity. We need to live inside this system of Sabbath rest. We can't live in that endless work system. We need a walk in the open air and a snack of fresh grain. We need the refuge of God's presence and the nourishment of his bread. We are creatures. We're not the creator, so we have limits, and so Sabbath is good news to us. But we have one more Sabbath picture in our text today. And this one's a man with a withered hand. And again, the Pharisees are right there. They are ready to catch Jesus. They're about to pounce on him for his compassion. And this is one of the very few times that we explicitly read in Scripture that Jesus gets angry. It says he was angry and grieved. He was mad and sad because the Pharisees twisted this good Sabbath gift into this weapon that was used to accuse people, it was creating fear and confusion, and it was keeping hurting people like this man outside of entering God's rest. And so in Jesus' anger and his sorrow, in verse 5, we hear him say to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretches it out, and it's restored. So Jesus' healing on the Sabbath gives this man a posture of outstretched hands, it allows his hands to be opened up so they can be filled with God's good things for him. And it allows him to reach out so he can touch other people and be touched. And all of us have to come to Sabbath with this posture of outstretched hands. So we have these pictures. We have this walk through the grain. We have a fugitive eating holy bread. We have outstretched hands. How do these pictures guide our own Sabbath keeping? 
very practically, what do we do with our day of rest? How do we remember it? How do we keep it holy? How do we observe Sabbath? Well, for one, we acknowledge that we are created beings and we have limits. And Sabbath reminds us that those limits aren't barriers for us to transcend. These are the places God is forming us. These are the opportunities to submit to the Lord of the Sabbath, to let him nourish us and restore us, to trust the very real problems of our world to him. And one really practical way that we do that is we sleep. One thing I love about the Jewish Sabbath is that it begins at sundown. That means that Sabbath begins with man accomplishing absolutely nothing. We just go to bed. And there's this Wendell Berry poem that says that we may reap great work is done while we're asleep. That we may reap great work is done while we're asleep. The God who is not anxious works in us and through us and for us while we do nothing, while we sleep. And another very practical way that we observe the Sabbath is that we worship. We walk with the risen Jesus. We listen to his words. We come into his sanctuary as sinners. We feast on his presence. And we stretch out our hands in humility and we expect because we need God to fill them. And I think as Anglicans, our liturgies give us really concrete ways to do that in the words that we say and in the postures we put our body in when we come to worship feeling tired and empty-handed. The priest and writer Tish Warren describes an experience in church like this. She says, The words of the liturgy felt like a mother rocking me, singing over me, speaking words of blessing again and again. I was relaxing into the church like an overtired child collapsing on her mom. Could we enter into our Sabbath worship like that? Well, from the very earliest days of incarnation, Liz and Morgan and I have talked and asked and wondered, what would it look like to plant a restful church? So often church planting looks like this invitation to workaholism, but what if it were an invitation to rest, to trust in God's powerful work to grow his church, and to be relaxed about our own work, to be open-handed about it? So one really small, practical way that we are trying this out for the next few weeks is we're not going to have snacks on the lawn. Now, snacks on the lawn is this beautiful idea. The whole point is to have this outward-facing presence in the neighborhood, have good ways of engaging people as they walk by on the sidewalks. But it's also a lot of work. And the colder and the darker it gets, the more work it becomes. And at some point, it can start to feel like this desire to reach our neighbors and to be neighborly is depending sorely on our effort. So we're going to take a break. We're going to see what God does. And we're going to ask what if our witness in this community is that we are people who rest? What if the way God wants to form us in this season as people who love our neighbors better is actually by holding us in these walls and rocking us? 
What if through our own limitations, God wants to do his work while we rest? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who works while we rest. Thank you that we can trust you to hold the universe together. God, we pray that we would be people who keep your Sabbath. Amen.